Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be They're following the Lord. Friends, we need to be like that. We need to be the same way. You should be in that book every day going, oh, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do? Read it. Okay? Ezra 6, 19, the Passover celebrated. And the descendants of the captivity kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month, for the priests and the Levites had purified themselves. All of them were ritually clean. And they slaughtered the Passover lambs for all the descendants of the captivity, for their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. Now, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. He died for our forgiveness. He, he spilled his blood. to can, The blood is life to cancel the death of sin. He is our Passover lamb. Now, it's amazing how after 70 years of captivity, then probably another 18 years of captivity, because all the nations were trying to block the rebuilding of the temple. So 70 plus 18, you're talking almost 90 years, and they finished it one month before Passover. Now they're going to have Passover, right in time for Passover. They're done. Hey, we got this thing called Passover here that they found in the book. We better get ready for that. Hey, Tat and I, we need some materials over here. (laughs) So they're ready for Passover. And I think God wanted it that way, don't you? Finish the temple right in time for Passover to remember. It's been 90 years almost since they celebrated the Passover feast. Now, you got to think, what was the Passover feast about? It was the celebration of when their forefathers had been released from Egyptian slavery. So here they are celebrating their freedom from slavery yet again. Now, this time, they were held by the Babylonians. What's the first thing you want to do? Celebrate. Well, what did we do last time we got set free? We celebrated. What did we celebrate? We celebrated the Passover. Well, let's have Passover. When is it? Let me look in the book. Oh, my gosh, it's next month. God has great timing, doesn't he? I bet that was one party. I would have loved to have been there. That would have been great. (laughs) Ezra 6.21, Then the children of Israel, who had returned from the captivity, ate together with all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations of the land in order to seek the God of Israel. I could preach all day on this verse alone, and I'm going to. You're not getting out of here till 6. Hope you brought a lunch. (laughs) This verse, it is a true gem tucked into this story because it specifically states that unless you separate yourself from the filth of everyone else, you are not looking for the God of Israel. 
had people tell me, I'm looking for the, I'm saved, I'm saved in Jesus. They're still doing the same old filthy, filthy life that they used to have. You cannot do that and look for the Lord God at the same time. You're not in your house right now. You got up and left and came here. You can't be here and home at the same time. You're in one or the other. If you're looking for Jesus, you can't be in your old life. You have to leave it and go find him and go pursue him. Okay? If you're not separating yourself from the filth of everyone else, you are not looking for the Lord God of Israel. You cannot be doing what everybody else is doing and be looking for the Lord. It doesn't work to look for the Lord. You have to live separate. We read the word separate. It's in that verse. And there's a word for this kind of separation. It is the word holy. Holy means set apart. You cannot live like the world does. Israel, they couldn't live like the nations and be good with God. You cannot live like the world does being all caught up in the worries, the fears, the, the arguments, and all the fights, and all the crazy drama that's going on. Everybody's fighting about everything, and they're all divided. Nobody gets along or agrees on anything anymore. Christian, you cannot act like that and think that you're somehow looking for the Lord God. It doesn't work. You can't have a love of money as your provider. It's got to be God or money. You can't have both. You can't Act like the filth of everyone else and seek God at the same time. I say pick a side, get on it, and stay there. You can't have it both ways. You cannot live holy and pleasing to God if you're living your life the way everybody else does. And I've heard people say, well, well, if I live holy before God, I'm going to lose all my friends. Then lose them. Go get you new ones. Fact of the matter is, if you go, maybe they will come with you. And you'll still get to keep them, but maybe they'll be saved too. But you can't play in both. At some point or another, you have to come to the decision in your life. And maybe you need to draw that line in the sand here today. I don't know. You've got to make the decision. I am going to be set apart for God. And that's it, regardless of what anybody else says. That's what Judah is saying to the nations. We're going to live holy to God, regardless of what y'all think. That is a good decision to make. The Word of God says, and I quote it, it says that they had to separate themselves from the filth of the nations in order to seek the Lord God of Israel. That means you got to separate yourself from the filth before you can look for God. You have to make that decision. I have to repent and get out of this trash, get out of this bad behavior, get out of this mess. I'm not saying you have to figure out how to get out of the mess. We can't do that. But you have to decide, I need out. You have to say, no more of this. I'm going to go look for the Lord God. Now, there are those that like to argue against this. they saying you can have God and live like the world at the same time. No, you cannot argue with what this verse says. This verse nails it. And I love this verse. You can't argue with the word of God. Ezra 6 and 22 and they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with, with joy. For the Lord made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Okay, first off, it doesn't say they were happy. It said they had joy. And who gave it to them? 
God. It does not say their circumstances made them happy. It doesn't say their circumstances made them joyful. It says God gave it to them. You want real joy? You're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it in the number of likes on Facebook. You're not going to find it in a pay raise like the prosperity guys tell you. You're only going to get it from the Lord God. You can find joy in the Lord poor. You can find joy in the Lord sick. You can find the joy of the Lord in any state as long as he gives it to you and you know you need to get it from him. But he made them joyful. Now, joy is a much deeper, it's much wider than just happiness. Happiness is very temporary. I can eat pizza and be happy. In 30 minutes, I'm not. (laughs) About half an hour, I'm going to be miserable. But joy is better than that. It's deeper than that. It's wider. It's spiritual. Joy does not depend on your circumstances. It doesn't depend on how much money you have or don't have or if things are going your way or not. Joy comes from the Lord, and that is beyond all earthly influence. You can live in this country as bad as it's looking out there and have complete and total joy because that doesn't come from government. It doesn't come from social media. It doesn't even come from me. It comes from the Lord God who is above all of this stuff. And friend, if you don't have that kind of joy, I'm giving it to you the best I've got of where you can find it. That's what you need. Well, things ain't going my way. That's fine. How's your joy in the Lord? I don't know how I'm going to make my rent. That's okay. I got you. But how's your joy in the Lord? There's a lot of people out there. You can tell they don't have joy in the Lord. They need that first, and then he can take care of the rest. Again, the people here, they separated themselves from everybody else for the Lord. And because they did that, He gave them, not happiness, he gave them joy. Joy is such a high level up that the world can't even come close to giving it to you. So now to close this chapter up, we see a lot of things that happened to the people of Judah that God still offers to us today, that he did for them, he offers you. First off, God guided their steps. Did you see that? They found the official minutes of the king's decree for them to rebuild that temple. And Tatnai said, nope, go find it over here. That was he, Tatnai was de- deceived. He didn't know where it was at. It wasn't even there. They found it 300 miles away. God had to guide the steps for the minutes of the king's decree to be found. He guided their steps around the enemy's hostility. They've had people after them for years to shut this temple down. You may have had people around you for years trying to shut you down. But if God is guiding your steps, he will guide you like if you were being stepping through a minefield, don't step there. I remember I was in Israel, and there's a barbed wire fence, and it had a skull on it. It said, mines, don't go there. Some people don't listen to the Lord, and they're going to step on a mine, kaboom, and they get mad at God. God, why did you let this happen to me? Well, they're not listening to the Lord. Let him guide your steps. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with most of your heart. Trust in the Lord with 95% of your heart, and you take care of the other 5% because you know what you're doing. You're so smart and experienced. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all. All is a big word. It's a three-letter word just like joy is, and they're both big words. All of your heart. And lean on some of your own understanding because you've been doing this a while. You're pretty smart. Lean not on your own understanding. 
in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. What's all your ways to acknowledge him? I don't know. What do you do? You drive a truck? You work in a fab shop? Nursing? Administration? What do you do? What are your ways? Consider your ways and find a way to acknowledge the Lord God through it. You've got coworkers. Show them the Lord some way in how you work. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. There's no way the people of Judah could have gotten a hold of that document if tattletale, tatty, ratty, tat and I hadn't come along, stomping his feet, shouting, who said you could do this? So basically what we saw here is that God turned Judah's enemy into an instrument of peace. Do you recognize that? I kind of feel bad for knocking on Tat and I now because he was used mightily as an instrument of peace. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I know you got enemies. I know you got those people you think in the back of your mind, oh, I cannot stand it when I see that guy. He is always out to get me. You just be pleasing to the Lord. You stay in that Bible. You follow his guidance. You do what he says, regardless what everybody else is telling you. You are not who they say you are. You are not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are. Separate yourself from the filth of the, of the nations and serve the Lord God, and he can cause even those enemies to become at peace with you. So the people of Judah, they did not have the money to do the work that God told them to do. They didn't have the money to build that temple. They were probably sitting there wondering, where are we going to get all this stuff from? How are we going to do it? And I know at times you find yourself in a situation where God called you to go out and do something really, really big, but you just don't have the means to do it. When he first called me to ministry, I thought, are you kidding me? He told me I had to leave my career. I was in radio for 20 years. I had position. I had title. I could hire and fire. I could say, do this, and it got done. I had it going. Benefits and everything. And he said, quit. Just leave, and we'll go do ministry. I'm like, well, how am I going to get by? God said, you leave that to me. Of course, in my man logic, I rolled around in it for a while and fought with him on it. Maybe the Lord God has called you to do something, but you don't see how you're going to get it done. Friends, God has a way of providing for that. He has a way of doing it. And I'm going to show you a verse that no prosperity preacher will ever tell you. Ecclesiastes 2.26, you save this one. For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. Gathering and collecting money is not your job. Looking for money, money, money is not your job. That's for the sinners that don't believe in God. That's for the people that are all money hungry. Let them do that. God says, I've got people assigned to that task. You let them do it. That's their sin on them. Don't let it become yours. Don't fall in love with money. Don't think, oh, i got to find a way to make more. God has people doing that already. And believe me, he's got a bunch of them doing it, okay? So what he's saying here is that when you need money, if you will just obey God and be good before him, he will cause one of those collectors out there to have to cough it up for you, just like he did with Tat and I. You see that? The Persian kings, they had their own gods. They weren't believers, but their task on this earth was set by God for them to be gatherers. And then the Lord caused them to have to give from their own treasuries 
to the people of Judah so that they could build that temple. That wasn't their problem. And friend, it's not your problem either. If you're consumed with money, you need to reread that Ecclesiastes verse that I just gave you. God's got people assigned to that task. Somehow or another, he'll make them cough it up and spill it over some in your lap. If you will be faithful to the Lord God. So the Lord caused them to give from their own treasury so they could, God's people could afford to build the temple. Now, if you find yourself in a financial bind, all I can say is trust in the Lord God. You're not the one that has to come up with the money to do the job. God has gatherers everywhere. We have a saying here, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. He will pay for it, okay? You don't have to come up with it. So the world is full of people whose every thought every single day is stuck on nothing more than to find more money. That's all they have on their mind. You will obey the Lord. He will move one of those collectors to give to you what they worked to gather so that you can accomplish the task that God gave you to do. Doesn't that take a load off? Now, I'm sure Tat and I didn't like having to cough up his money from his own treasury, but the king made him do it. You see that? There's people in this world that are gathering money. That's their sole purpose in life. And if they have to give up the money, they're not, they may not like it, but King Jesus is going to make them do it if it's time to do it, just like the king made Tat and I do it. Friends, the Lord God has the power to make even your enemies to be at peace with you but also to help pay for your calling. Now, remember how the king had put a curse on the temple. Anybody that tried to destroy it, they were going to get killed or cursed in some kind of way. Now, I believe that the Lord moved the king to make this curse because I believe that was the Lord's own curse himself. Scripturally, the same curse still exists today. It's been given by God. Anybody that tries to destroy the temple today, the assembly, of his people, it's still there. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 3.17 says, If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Friends, the safest place in this entire universe to be is in the body of Christ. Now, historically, we can read that Antiochus Epiphanes, if you remember him from historical, not scriptural, but historical uh, from the Maccabees time, they desecrated the temple in 167 BC, and Antiochus Epiphanes, he died insane, crazy, three years later, because he tried to destroy the temple. Herod the Great, who lived from just before Jesus' time, he messed with the temple and he died of disease. The Romans. They destroyed the temple in 70 A.D. They had their entire empire wiped out. The entire empire fell because they messed with the temple of God. And friends, even the nations today that hate the Lord, and I I would say the United States now falls under that category, you can't just say, oh, well, the U.S. was founded upon Christian principles. It may have, but this nation is a God-hating nation today. But friends, I want to tell you, don't look at this failing world as a failure, but rather our victory that God is judging those who are against him. The nation failing is a result that God is judging the nations. He has to. He judged, we've been reading, he judged the people of Judah. If God would judge his own people, why do you think he wouldn't do that to us Gentiles? Don't look at the nation politically. Oh, what's happening? God is judging it. 
He has to judge it to get them to snap out of it and go, oh my gosh, we're wrong. Let's get back. Just like the people of Judah did in this this book today. It took some humbling to wake them up. Don't be like the world. Separate. Be holy. Because just like the people got word from Haggai and Zechariah, we too have been prophesied to have victory ahead of us. Remember what that promise of victory did for the people today. It caused them to work diligently because they were encouraged. Friends, before you go back out to your week, Monday's coming, I know. You got that enemy coworker that you don't like. I know. I want to encourage you what's coming. Your salvation is coming. And Jesus Christ, that's coming. That should encourage you with not happiness. That should encourage you with joy enough to go back to work with your head held high and work diligently for the Lord God. Amen. Colossians 3.23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. That's what you're being prophesied is ahead of you. So work like it's a wonderful day. Well, I got, you don't know the work heap I got Monday, right? I know. Let the Lord work it with you, okay? The reward of our inheritance is an eternal life. And if you cannot find a way to live a celebratory life, just knowing that you have this ahead, then you probably have a little bit too much of the world going on in your life to be able to see it properly. That promise is a great promise. You should walk out of here skipping and jumping with your hands in the air. Thank you, God, of what I have ahead. Don't let Monday get you down. Look what you have ahead. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. The Message Bible says, Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in Him. And if you want another translation, I'll give you the Hawaiian pigeon. Okay, Dan, are you all seeing this? This is a real Bible. Y'all are looking at me confused. It says, Kaden, you guys stay tight with the boss. So stay good inside every time, no matter what happened. I say this one more time, eh? Stay good inside like that. You think I'm kidding you. That is a whole Bible called pigeon. That's how the Hawaiian people say it. I, I just want you to be happy and walk out of here excited. If I got to quote pigeon Bible to do it, I'll do it, okay? <laughs> But let's remember how the Israelites, they had to go through a long period of humbling just to learn that they needed to get back to God's word. It took them that long to realize, I've got to get back to the word of God. So friends, don't stray away from God's word. There's a lot of people today saying you don't have to read God's word to be a Christian. That is wrong on so many levels. I don't even know how to start. You do need the word of God. You need air. You need water. You need food. You need the word of God. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to separate ourselves from the filth of everyone else so that we should obey. 1 Peter 1.16 it says, It is written, Be holy, for I am holy. You want to be like Jesus? You want to be like God? Okay, then be holy. We can choose to be holy just like the Lord is, and that is where joy is. It is in holiness with the Lord God. I pray you were encouraged today by this word. Look at the... Look at what the people of Judah had to go through. They had everybody against them. You know what? The Lord God worked it all out. And I'm going to tell you the same thing about your life. Whatever you're contending with, it looks absolutely impossible. God's got a plan for it. He'll work it out. Just follow him. Amen. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.